Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. had a, a tough one last week. <laughs> We're going to get into easier territory today. Uh, a really good story, frankly, but with a twist, a healing with a twist. So let's just do this. Uh, we are in Mark chapter 7, starting verse 31. I'll read this week. We'll read the first one. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. Decapolis just means 10 cities, probably little villages that link together. There are some people, there, yeah, there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. The hand on him was almost certainly a request to heal him, uh, but it also could have been a blessing. Rabbis gave blessings. This man would have had to have been a beggar uh, he would not have been able to go into the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, his life would have been miserable. So, after he took him aside, after he took him aside, we, how did we close last week? Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't want to do the show. So. He gave people dignity. Took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ear. Then he spit, hello, here, this is new. This is, uh, every eight-year-old boy just, ears perked up. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, which means to be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And once again, that no-show thing, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. Now, that's verse 37 in the NIV, and I love the phrasing there. So NIV, guys, you did great. They were overwhelmed with amazement. Uh, He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So I want to talk about spit and touch and tongues. Uh, (laughs) And people, people always ask, they'll say, wait, he healed the last lady's daughter at a distance, even if it was next door, is at a distance. And the Roman centurion's slave, and then the, the, the ruler of the, you know, the, you know, Jairus's daughter, he could do that at a distance. So why the touching? And here's where I, I put my shrink hat on. Used to be a shrink before I went on to neuroscience, but, and, and ran counseling things. And some people need more than healing. Some people need more than um, relief. They need a story. They need a ritual. We, we know this. You know, I married my wife more than 44 years ago. I would have absolutely dearly loved that we could look at each other and said, you want to be married? And she say, yes. And that was it. But we do a ceremony. Even if you're not religious and you go down justice of the peace or the county clerk, there's a form to fill out. There's a, and we call it the, a form to fill out and we call these formalities. 
you need a ritual. For some of you that are in pain, that are having a hard time forgiving somebody, and especially if that somebody's dead and gone, and you have no ability to, to really make them own up to what they did, write a letter. Detailed. Don't do it today. Do it over a period of weeks, because you're going to remember stuff. Come back, put it in there. You might need to bury that. You might need to say a prayer and burn it and scatter the, take somewhere and scatter the ashes in a river. You might need a ritual. You and I are Christians. Uh, We both believe in Jesus as the son of God. We can do that outside. We can do that on our own, but we need the ritual. So we gather together and we take the Lord's Supper. We have the prayers. So this is not a mystery. Some people need the confidence of ritual. Later on, when this man tells his story, what's he going to say? This great healer touched my ears and touched my tongue, and I could hear. Instead of having to say, I don't know, he was given a story. And I love that. I, for example, Naaman. How many times do you have to dip? Seven. Why? <laughs> Why? You, you could have you know, said, here's some water, pour that on your head. No, needed more ritual. And I find it wonderful. There's an old hymn, he knows just what I need. Oh, yes, he knows just what I need. Yeah, some of us need the process or process to you colonials. Some of us need the journey. And then we're, we're there. In talk therapy and counseling with people, very, very often, the day they walked in, I knew what I could say to help them out. Mm-hmm. But I also knew it wouldn't satisfy them and it might not stick. So I had to lead them gently till they found it and they built a story that allowed them to be better. So here I just jumped in, read it, and, and talked all over it. But I'm talking from a shrink perspective. What do you, what do you see, theolo- or, or do you see anything I'm missing here or theologically that you'd like to add? Yeah, this, this as a miracle kind of stands it kind of stands apart from the the norm uh, because yep. when you're trying to apply a story or make an inference or put it it just doesn't fit it's like this is what I do and I go go through it the the, the one thing that seems interesting to me is um is uh, putting a finger in the, in the ear you know in the, in the spinning it appears to be and what some writers think it is was a kind of a sign language type thing going on here okay. uh, um, you, you know because putting in the ear when, when you talk to somebody can hear and they, and they know yeah. you can there's certain kind of things they, and and so there there's some there's some illusion that 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 may have been going on that, that makes they're, sense it does they're, they're with it because and it, and it would make sense because he's around other people other not necessarily here but he's around other people know what's going on and so Jesus is translating this message to him that um, just like I'm talking to you and you can hear me now, if I say, okay, I'm getting ready to heal you, then you hear it and say, oh, thank God, okay, he can't mm-hmm. hear. And so he's doing this, and then now I'm getting ready to take care of this situation. So the anticipation builds in him, you know, um, builds in him that God is doing something. It's, um, I guess, a way to put it is when God does these miracles, it's like he's breaking into the fabric of time. And pulling it apart 
and 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 then promoting his reign. God's reign is always over and above everything else. It's like he's pulling back fabric, the fabric of time to, to do this. But it also lets us know that that the time, you know, and the reign of God is very much different, you know, from just what we we move in because God doesn't look like he's ripping apart the fabric of time. Mm-hmm. To him it's not that. To right. us it is from right. our perspective. But to him is God doing what God does in the world that he created. So he does it. But for us to understand it, um, we have to put an anthropomorphism. We got, we got to put something on it to help us identify what, what we're talking to. And I think that that may be some of what's going on here. And if so, it always lets us know the compassion, just like in the story we finished uh, on last time, last week, the compassion that, that was shown by the, the, the woman, mm-hmm. you know, the Letting herself be referred to as little, even the little dog, and, and hear what what God is doing to let him know that is the God that we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people are hurting, when a person is hurting, when a person is beat up on, or they've been pushed around, and I'm not talking about being pushed physically, but that may be a part of, it, but mentally or socially or relationally, when they've been put, you know, pushed that that God is feeling you know, these things. He's internalizing it. And so this God at a distance that just does these miracles and, and kind of keeps the universe from flying off the hinges mm-hmm. and all of that, that's for the scientists to, to discuss when they want to do what they want to do. But the, the God that put all this together is still very personable. He's still uh, involved. And he's walking <clears throat> close enough to, to think and to feel enough um, or to feel into this situation and know what this man is experiencing, especially as he's doing these things with the spittle. Now, of course, there's there's the concept that that's, that spittle had medicinal properties at the time. So there's all that stuff that we have to give some kind of credence and understanding to, but we're just dealing with the text here. Um, that's okay. the compassion of God. So when you're hurting and stuff like that, never feel that God has put you at the end of the line and he put you back there because you you were bad and he put you back there because this mess you in you really you went out of your way to get into this <laughs> stuff here um and that's not how he he works it, it, it just isn't um, but sometimes it's hard to feel that compassion because when we get mad at others sometimes we get mad at ourselves and and we let it play out and and so that that, that compassion bringing ourselves down a little bit to be able to give God the glory and allow God the space to do what he needs to do. And then allow us to start thinking about, you know, ourselves would help us to be the kind of relational people that God is building Christians into. You know, not a legalistic person, but a relational one, because then you can hear their pain. And Jesus is very hands-on, even with lepers. You know, um, and by the way, if you think this one's strange, he makes mud pies for somebody's eyes was, was spit later. And the medicinal prophecy, if you don't know this, uh, again, back in the day, they had no concept of me- medicine. You know, Galen was one of the earliest to try to codify a medical text. Um, is there are medicinal purposes? No, but there are societal blessings. Um, if you don't let your kids ever get dirty, you've set them up for an immune system failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever they're getting dirty in the playground and they, they, you know, they drop a cookie and pick it up and eat it, you, you'll go, ooh, those are <laughs> practice germs. They need those germs. <laughs> now, the great late and, and rather foul-mouthed 
uh, George Carlin did a whole, a whole bet on practice germs. Uh, and working in immunology for so long, they need that. Couples that are married tend to be healthier than people that are single. One of the reasons is the kissing, the touching. They're sharing germs. Their immune systems keep working. Um, now, I'm, it, but again, is there a medical danger to spitting in somebody's mouth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of danger there, too. Because spit is a blood product, uh, although it's hard for people to understand that. It is. Just go with it. Um, but again, that's what they had. And he might have been just showing him that. And, and the way he'll later make little mud pies with spit and dirt and put on a guy's eyes. And on that healing, he had to do it twice. You know, because first time the guy says, I see people, but they look like Watch trees. trees. <laughs> and I've had people go, what? Why? Why didn't? Well, first of all, it shows you the guy wasn't always blind because he knew what the trees looked like. So second, yeah, I think he needed more story, but also healing your eyes doesn't mean he's healed your optic receptors in your brain. So now he, fi- he finishes that. It's kind of like when you put in cochlear implants. You're not hearing anymore. It's picking up vibrations, and now we got to translate it so you can really understand. Jesus is using a process, but he's hands-on. But we have to get to a story you, you and I were talking about in private before we even started, and that is chapter 8, the feeding of the 4,000. Mm-hmm. Now, we've come from Syrophoenician. I mean, Peter, Peter's actually not trying to build to a crescendo here. Peter's book, Mark, is more episodic than the others. You know, Luke, he tries to be very, and he, he is a successful historian. John's got a theology he needs you to see, and so he brings in all new stuff. Matthew wants you to, remember, to realize Jesus is the king. He's the new Moses. He's the new Elijah. Mark, this, these are just stories told from Peter. And so if you're looking for a common thread, there are some, but Peter being Peter, it's not quite as organized as the other ones. That said, I'm talk, uh, hit chapter 8 for it. Would please, okay. would you read uh, that story 1 through 13, I think. Okay. In those days, the multitude <clears throat> being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then the disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmuthea. Yeah, um. Well, there's some, there's some cool things here. First of all, um, Jesus has compassion on their hunger. Well, now, let me back up. A lot of people will say, well, wait, we just heard this story in the feeding of the 5,000. 
it is true that in the Bible, stories can be told more than once. And they can be told with variations. I don't think this is happening here. This looks to be a different lesson. Um, it is not unusual that Jesus will face more than one time a large crowd who have no food. They've come to hear him and now he's concerned about this. Is, it's, it's reasonable to say this happened a lot of times. Well, his disciples in verse 4 gone, where are you going to get the bread? Just makes us lean back and go, what? Weren't you there earlier? And in fact, he doesn't say that they have to go out and find it with the little boy that had the one lunch. Mm-hmm. This is something which really leaps from the page to me. He goes, how much food do you have? They say seven. Now, here's what leaps off the page. The word seven probably meant seven here. But it was very common in Hebrew and Aramaic, still is, to use numbers as symbols. It's almost like they said, well, we got enough. I don't think that's what they're saying, but they don't know what they're saying. I think that's the little Semitic play. You know, how can we feed them? What do you have? Seven, but there are, it can also be translated, we have enough. He, you know, and he's just going, um, well... <laughs> sit them down and feed them. And then they did, and by the way, um, they brought up, they got the, um, how, many, how many baskets full this time? Seven. They got enough. When I ask God for things, he very often does not give me what I want. But when I look back on it, he gave me enough. He gave me seven. You know, my wife and I, thought we would like to have more children. But uh, biology required us to have two, and that's all. Now, we don't feel cheated, but every now and then we do think about what our life would have been. But then we look and we see our two grown children, and we see our five grands, and we go, that was seven. That's enough. You know, that would, we have, our Christmases are busy enough. You know, our sports <laughs> schedules are busy <laughs> enough. But and again, in my life, I have stomped around a lot saying, I don't have enough to do what God wants me to do. And he's not giving me enough. And therefore, I used to read this and think those stupid disciples, those stupid apostles. Now I read it and say, Patrick, this is you. That you always say you don't have enough, that you aren't getting enough. And yet you've got enough. So that's my confession to you, Rick. And <laughs> you're not my confessor, so I don't expect <laughs> I don't expect you to make a sign of the cross or anything. But tell me how you you look at this. The the theme that is that that's running <clears throat> through it, we've heard it um, with the previous um, story of feeding, and of course. When you start studying something and you're looking back at, at the other Gospels and what they have, you have to be able to keep everything straight because it looks like you're reading things numerous times when mm-hmm. you're, you're not doing it. So you have to be able to do that. But, but the storyline underneath this is that he's, why are they, why are they, I, they, I know they've been with us, you know, three days. We know that they came out. 
Uh, um, his disciples answered him, verse 4, how can we satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? You know, and, and it's, it's almost as if in verse number 5, he asked them, how many loaves that you have? Seven. He's thinking, okay, guys, we've been through this mm-hmm. before. Okay, we, we've been through this exact thing before. And if, can you imagine if this actually they were reading a text of scripture? As a matter of fact, we were there last <laughs> chapter. That's right. You know, we were yeah. just in this. And, that, and it's a thing that, and the picture that, the thought that we take from it today is that you take, God is bringing them along, is, is what he's doing. He's bringing them along. He realizes they haven't seen what he's doing, you know, before. They, they have nothing. We have the Bible, and then we have other people around us that tell us things. Yeah. It's not like they had, and the stories they did have with them were not this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a matter of fact, they were fighting this story. And so there's a lot going on in the head. But, but he's, what he's saying is, is, did you forget to depend on me? Mm-hmm. Now, that is critically important because we forget we can forget what Jesus did for us in a heartbeat and a flash of light. Absolutely. You know, and we're praying for it. And Jesus, I, can you imagine Jesus and him put his hands on the God, we just dealt with it. You know <laughs> I'm gonna be here. Come come on, let's let's yeah. let's get but see that's what um you know, Patrick, that's what sin does is it messes with our memory. Um that's that's well uh, uh, write that down, people. Put that you know, on a t shirt. You know. Yeah. It messes and it tends to drain it um, so that when we start hurting, we have a tendency to forget the healing that happened in this other situation or the journey of that situation or how it came to pass. Um, I like to interject this thought and, and you can grind, you know, just okay. kind of chew it up too. Part of this thing of baptism, you know, as we carry it out in water, Part of that was so that when Satan gets to shaking our cage and rattling us and we start questioning our faith and we mm-hmm. start questioning our God, we don't just have an internal um, thing to look at and say, I, I came to Jesus. Jesus, I, you know, I've acknowledged him as my savior. We don't because we all know that we're sinners. Now, we may try to fool other folk and tell them, I, you know, I used to sin a long time ago. I did one one day, five yeah. years ago, but I'm not. Right. See, we do that, but, but we all know who we are. And this, but the physical part of, of the bet, the physical part of it was, was regardless of what happens, your brain can always go back. I know I went down in that water of faith, and I know I came up. So when we're rattling, we're not, if I can say this right, we're not looking just to that in Eternal thing that because we know that the day we accepted Jesus as humble as we were and as sorry as we were and the tears that we shed, we know in even in that day there were some thoughts we had, there's some things that happened. Sure. But you have that. So when he was so when Satan is rattling your cage and stuff like that, you can ready to go back. I know I accepted God as, mm-hmm. as I said. I, I'm not saying you know because the water did anything but particular. It's a ritual. Yeah, it's a ritual. It's a ritual. That's right. And I and I ha- I need I need that because there's sometimes when I look inside of me, I said I didn't do good here. <laughs> I don't yeah. you know and Satan and so and and literally what Satan is trying to do is detach us from God. That's why he does it like that. he's trying to detach us. 
you know, from God. And so part of this thing is I know, and, I, and, and we pray about it. And then if you know, you, you, okay, we get on, we work through it, we, we feel bad, we correct what we can, you know, we do all those things, but we go on. And so we ought to thank God, you know, for the process, not, not unduly push on it what's not there, but acknowledge the fact that because sometimes when you look at yourself, there's not enough good that you can say, I know God is in me because I did, you know, I don't, you know. You know the, rit the ritual helps, and I find... I don't know if it's sin that makes me blind as it is the normality, the banality of normal life that does. So I will catch myself praying that God will bless me in a house that has temperature climate control, comfortable seating, multiple televisions. I have a pretty wife, two healthy grown children, five healthy grandchildren, a church our safe harbor, which is just amazing, friends like you, and I'm there saying, oh Lord, please bless me. I'm blind to my seven. I'm blind to my enough. Mm -hmm. You know, recently, um, some things going on with my mother, some things going on as we age, I realized I really need to start downsizing. And I have found a certain freedom in letting loose of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it has also helped shape my prayers a little bit because I'm not asking for the same kind of blessings to fill up my closets and my garage. I'm, now I'm asking that God bless this person. Or the, but I still will catch myself saying, I'm out here, buddy, and I, I, need, I need blessings. And God can lean right over and say, you've had 2,000 years to read Mark chapter 8. Mm -hmm. you, uh, you have seven you have enough. Yeah, the, the the heat, the heat we feel on our neck, on our back, um, of, of the pressure of sin, I, and I'm not talking just personal sin that a person goes through, but I'm talking about in a world, yeah, war that that, that, that has given the sin. The pressure that that we f we feel it it in a sense is like a sunburn that you can feel, you know, I, and you. We instantly start responding, you know, to, you know, Lord, bless this, bless that, and then bless me. And just as you said, I got all this stuff, you know, and then the thoughts come to our head. The people I just watched on television or the ones I know. We, we've had some members of Safe Harbor that they did a missionary trip. And you go and see what people are dealing with. But God does not want you to look at it like that. It, it, you can't because you were born in whatever country you're born into, and you're born into stuff you have around you. And that's what your normal is based on. But then when you start visiting, you start seeing, you start hearing, you let God open you up. And God is saying, now, now, now don't turn away from this. Don't turn away from this. If you see that this needs to be clean water, then what do you do to make there clean water? If you see <clears throat> this to be, um, you know what? There's a different kind of irrigation that you can do that does not require a lot of water, but it does this and and it's it's simple to do okay so so how do we do that instead of asking why don't they have this we have it i have it you know and a lot of people have what they have because of what their parents are great oh yeah grandparents did they're just living in the sun of that blessing yeah they you, you they were born on third base and thought they hit a triple hit, uh, <laughs> yes exactly and and they, and, they, and that's where god is doing his work in in this in the people in the world it's it's we, we come together as a group but when you come together and we come here and start that that's more like the rally that's more like the rally the players do 
in the locker room on the field to get ready to go out right. and do what they need to do or what the soldiers, when, when some important person comes in, you know, and, you know, and just, okay, this, we're going out to do this or, or what the, the CEO does. And you can see it very good when they televise those, those corporate meetings, especially of media groups, mm -hmm. the, you know, the corporate person says this and that light shines on them like they're God and they've mm -hmm. got all these acolytes out there that say, we're going to change the world with this new phone. We're going <laughs> to do that. I thought you were going to change it with the last phone and I'm tired <laughs> of paying for these phones. That's right. You, you know, so, so why can't, you know, be, because what God is doing is saying, that's what I want you to do in the world. I, yeah. I, I want you to go poor. That's how we change the world. But unfortunately, we we lock up what God is trying to do with us, the feeding of the people. We lock it up inside of our little thing. Exactly. And don't do that. Instead of letting it it go where God needs it to go with the right with the right spirit. They may not have this, but they weren't born. They may have a they may be in a country that doesn't have that, but that's that that country. That's the way it it developed. You can't go undo that. When you, but when God arouses that in you or brings you to it, you can say, okay, wh wh yeah. what do we need to do here? For, for example, in our safe harbor, um, and I'm going to only do a few, and there are quite a few, but I'm only going to mention a few. We recently had one of our members go to Nepal to work with Flint Global mm -hmm. to help people become self-sufficient. Find out what the market is there, help them develop a, a business, help them learn how to sell, buy, give to the community, and then become self-sufficient so that they could get out of poverty. We have a teenager uh, up in New Jersey who, because she loves and is kind and has a great heart, she has uh, reached out to the veterans there, and she collects new clothing, new hygiene products, new things for the homeless veteran shelter and another veteran shelter, and she says when she has any left over, she takes it to the VFW. Teenager. She didn't need to, but she looked at her life and said, oh, I'm the one holding seven loaves. So she's, instead of saying, and I could say like most teenagers, but to frank, frankly, most people, more, 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 she's saying, I have seven. I have enough. Well, we have in Indiana, people found out, and I had no idea this, that there is like an epidemic all over of kids that don't have their own bed in this little church in southern Indiana connected to our safe harbor by membership shared membership has built over 200 beds for kids in farm country and just presented them with beautiful handmade beds that they can use the rest of their life they're not kitty beds I can keep going but my point is whenever you stop long enough to realize you've got seven then you can start digging wells for clean water. Mm -hmm. Then you can go help somebody work their way out of debt mm -hmm. so that they're free. Uh, and they can do, as Scripture says, work with your hands so that you can give to those who don't. Um, right, we have, uh, I fear, and I don't want to get into politics because we don't do that mm -hmm. at R.C. Harbor, but I fear that far too often we assume we can just vote somebody else to do that. When, and, and that's what they're, the apostles, where can we get that? Who can we get to do this for us? And Jesus goes, no, you have enough. Share what you have. Um, that's yeah. just, it, it's a great, great story, is it not? Yeah. The, and you mentioned <clears throat> about the basket that seven comes up again with mm -hmm. what was left over. And of course, it, it makes a whole lot more sense now when you attach it not to seven exactly. Yeah. 
But as he talks about the seven large baskets, which, which doesn't show up in, in the other feeding. They, 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 it was 12 baskets, whatever, but it doesn't Five say anything about the fishes. size yeah. of them. Okay, and, and that word here for large is talking about a size of a basket that a person can hide in. Uh, you know, okay. a, a physical person can yeah. hide in. So these are some huge baskets yeah, that's a, that's that, that we're bushels. talking yeah. and, so the, and so there's a different thing going on with how much food came into the... <laughs> I'm trying to get... I know some of you are watching, some of you are listening, so I'm trying to talk it and demonstrate. <laughs> the, the food that came into the miracle, the food that was dispersed in the midst of the miracle happening... And then the food that came out of the miracle on the other side, it, you know, mm -hmm. this what, and it's as if God is saying, okay, this, this is what started this off. This is what happened when it met the power, you know, of, of God, you know, the, the power of Jesus. This is what happened. And after it, he made sure that there was something for the problem when it came up or for the people who weren't here yeah. that are in this problem that are not here. And that's a way um, to look at at life, uh, um, you know, this thing that we're going through and what he wants to do with others because that's, that's critical. That, that love of he, God came because the disorder of people, things that fell apart, that had the Tower of Babel, if you go back, even back that far, everything that starts radiating after that is pointing to what the Spirit is going to do, you know, after that, mm -hmm. you know, coming out. And so that, th this is critical to look at it not just as a, a thing of we have a powerful God and he, you know, he can stand in opposition to nature and what's going on to do that. That's probably the least and the less of it. But it's what the miracle does. Exactly. And so what and in turn today is what will God do through you? Because remember that miracle went through those people and it came out the other side. So what what is this 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 doing? And everybody, as we say, we say everybody is not at the same place. God has different things He's putting on your mind that you're able to do diff different things. But but it all goes in the same direction with yeah. God's stamp. Amen. And I think that's where we should end it today. Uh, thank you for being with us. Next week we're not going to look at a miracle first. We're going to look at a warning, and then we're going to look at a miracle. So hang in there with us. Thank you. Subscribe, like, share these things. Uh, and send in emails. Talk about what you're learning, what you're thinking, and we'll go from there. All right? God bless. We'll see you guys next week.